Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. 
Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James P. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This show is designed for you to have your voice heard loud and clear without interruption. We've all heard that uh, people use the saying, America said, but very often those of us common individuals don't get a chance to have our voices heard on the subjects that really are important and that have an impact on our lives now and in the future. As always, you know, I'm happy and pleased to be here with you, wanting to talk to you about the things that really make a difference and are uh, the issues that make us reflect and have insight on how we want to live our lives. And today is no different. I want to talk to you today about the term dysfunction and how that term is overlooked and not given importance that it deserves. I saw two stories today, and I sent them out to most of the callers that call in. 
to get their idea of what they thought of these two videos, realizing we all have some dysfunction we have to work on. I don't know if any of us truly understand or know what normal is, uh, but there is something normal. There is interaction that you have with your children and you have with your spouse that should be considered normal. And normal is something that is not disruptive. Uh, it Normal doesn't hurt. Uh, normal doesn't create animosity. And normal don't, doesn't create hatred. And we really need to talk about the dysfunctions that create behaviors that can be deadly, that can create hedges that can't be overcome. So today we want to talk about those. And before I get right into the subject, I'm going to give you a little overview of the video, the two videos I watched. One which was much more extreme than the other, but both of them are the kinds of behaviors that should be analyzed and discussed with a professional. And because I, in both cases, I'm sure neither family thought there was a problem, but obviously there was. I'm going to discuss the least one or the most, the least devastating but probably the one that was most common. A husband or a wife interferes with the marital relationship between them and their children. I saw a video where a mother was being harassed by her husband and her children, trying to provoke her into rage. She backed her car out of the garage or backed her car in a place where the husband suggested he she was going to get water on his car. And even if he'd gotten water on his car, how much was that really going to hurt his car? But what he was trying to do was provoke anger out of a woman by not allowing her to wash her car where she had drove it. And he purposely got the children involved in videotaping her behavior where the children and the father was provoking her to rage. And the video was entitled Enraging the Mother to Get Her Arrested. And so everything was geared toward trying to provoke her to put her hands on the children, to put her hands on her mother, uh, they were narrating it in a way to say, uh, you better not put your hands on me. Uh, keep filming her. Watch how crazy she gets. And I was thinking to myself, any judge who would watch this film and then punish the mother would be despicable because these people were clearly trying to provoke this woman to anger in order to get her to do something that would then better their position as a father-daughter family. And that's what I call despicable. I would never think of 
I've never been, I have to be honest, I've never been in a family dynamic. But to use your children as you try to to belittle your spouse, using them to to change their normal behavior related to their mother is just ridiculous. And to think that there are people out there who despicably use their children in order to get a better position or better judgment with a judge tells you that there's a dysfunction. Anybody who does not try to create an environment where their children love both their mother and father have a problem. The other video was even more devastating when a mother has to take one of her her children to court and force them to pay a loan back suggests to you that at some point this relationship was in trouble and someone needed to intervene long before. This woman had three sons, and it is stated by neighbors and family that the family was normal and the sons came from a really nice environment. But yet, this mother was forced to take her child to Judge Mathis to get a loan uh, paid back. After which, this son killed the mother. They didn't go into details in the video about how the son killed the mother. But the children, the other two boys, were going to have to find homes after the death of the mother. But you understand that there was some serious dysfunction where this mother found it necessary to go to a third party in order to get a loan back, but didn't seek what was needed to repair what was wrong with this this family. And so now you have a son who's going to go to jail for the rest of his life because he found it necessary to kill his mother. Now, what kind of rage and anger is necessary for a child to kill someone who's taken care of them from infancy to the age of a teenager? So we need to discuss, you know, how to identify dysfunction and then take the necessary steps uh, to try to correct dysfunction because there is something called normal. Now, we may have to discuss what is normal, but there is truly something normal, even though we realize that most families have some type of dysfunction. But we have to come to grip with that and understand that and then be able to try to figure out what is necessary to correct the issues related to those dysfunctions and understand that children closely watch their parents and then connect with the odd things that they do or determine whether or not those are going to be some things they 
have in their family or they don't. I have to share with you that I have a very odd dynamic relationship with my daughter. My daughter was born when I was 15 years of age. And I lived in a family, or my mother was my primary caretaker. Though that my father was in my life my whole entire childhood. And so when I became 16 and this child was born, parents supported me in a way that allowed me to continue to go to school and continue to play football. And my child got to know her grandmother on both sides and her grandfather on both sides. Now, she never saw my parents intoxicated. Nobody, she's never seen anybody on my side of the family intoxicated. But she did see people on her side of the family intoxicated. And so she grew up knowing that she didn't want to drink. So she is never drunk. Now, I saw my father drink, but I've never seen him drunk. And my mother has never drank at all. So I grew up knowing and understanding that it's important to control whatever behavior you have. So I never got involved with drugs or never got involved heavily in the drinking. I do drink every blue moon. And so you have to realize that there are things that go on in your families. As an only child, I am very to myself. And my daughter is the same. So some people would call it odd that we can live two streets, one street over from the other, and we never see each other in a given week. We can go a couple of weeks we're not seeing each other. Now, we may talk on the phone um, every day occasionally, but we are not what you call normal sons and daughters that we're always in each other's face. But I love her to death. But we do become at odds with each other in terms of our interaction and our inability to agree on a lot of different subjects. She's a very hardworking daughter, just like her father was a very hardworking man. And so she's always trying to find ways to increase her income in the same manner that I do. And we've both been able to stay out of anything connected to criminal behavior. So, you know, it is, we, families gravitate things that they, they share between each other at the same time that they pull apart. And so we just want to talk about dysfunction and how it has uh, a devastating effect on children and can have that same effect on parents and how it's important to display the type of behavior you want your child to emulate. And if you see something that is ugly or cruel in the way your child behaves, then you need to seek some type of intervention and not be involved in, like, this white family where the husband is involved in trying to crucify the mother and just destroy her. 
Now, ask yourself, how in the world can a man turn his children on their mother and feel good about the results that come from that? You know, I'm one of the men uh, that believe that in a divorce situation, I would always support my wife or my lover with her children and never try to take those children away unless there was something extremely deadly in that relationship with her children. Because I just believe women have a closer bond with their children that would be devastating if those children were taken away from her. So if there was no real cause to take the children from the mother, I think the man could better exist outside of a everyday relationship with those children, even though it would be better. So we just want to talk about some of the dysfunctions that we see, the dysfunctions you may have seen in the video I sent you, uh, because these things are going on every day where parents are fighting to get their children but are using ugly ways to get one to get over on the other. So, Cheryl, let me go to you first, you being uh, the only woman on the air right now. Did, were, you give, were you given the opportunity, first of all, to see the video? Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? No, I didn't get a chance um, to watch either of the videos, but it's not uncommon. And when I say that, it's not something that I have not seen or heard of in the, um, you know, based upon um, the things that I deal with in psychology and dealing with people. Um, a lot of times the things that happen within the household is usually something that they've seen in the home before. The parents get it from their parents. They get it from their parents. And it can be one or two parents. Sometimes we have children that decide and make up their mind to break the cycle and not do those things that they have seen. Um, There's different types of... um, Rage, there's, you know, the kind that builds up. And then there's individuals who snap all of a sudden, and you would not think that they were capable of it. But what it is is they do have something deep down inside that has triggered them to the point where they do snap. And that's when they don't have the necessary tools that they need to control themselves for whatever um, they're going through or whatever, however they've seen things in their life handled. So um, these incidents, although I've not seen them, I'm very familiar with um, with people acting like this. And when you say normal, what actually is normal? Um, mm. There's a normalcy that, you know, that the ho- a household may have, that an individual may have, it's, um, it doesn't look 
the way something that's so disturbing looks. Um, but everybody has a different type of normalcy as far as, um, you know, with them. Now, I can tell you a little bit about oh, no. myself. It's because oh, no. I came from violence in my household. I brought it into my first relationship. And I had to make the decision when my child was born that I refused to let her see that because I knew what it felt like. And I didn't want those feelings something for her to feel as well. And I left her father when she was an infant. And it had nothing to do with the fact that I loved him or not. It had to do with the fact that I had to work on me, and in order for me to work on me, I had to remove myself from the situation. We wind up getting back together, but I found that I couldn't, a person who is not well themselves in whatever area can't help or contribute anything positive to any type of relationship if they can't do it for themselves first. And I had to notice that mm-hmm. within myself. And then today, you know, and at an early age, I can't say that I was saved. I knew that I knew um, who God was. I knew that I feared him. But at that time, one did not sway my actions. I just knew how I should be behaving. But then as you get older and these individuals, you can't tell me that they love their brother and that they love themselves. Because if you do, it is, you are incapable of doing that to someone because you're doing it to yourself and you're also a reflection of doing it to God because we are all his children. So these individuals, are not, they don't even have God in their lives. And when I say that, you can pretend like you do, you can act like you do, and you can say that you do. But if you really don't have it deep down in your heart and it shows, it comes up when you are in situations and you have an escape, the words, when these different situations come about in your life that you know you can lean on that word because he's always there. So um, it does not surprise me because, I mean, we can't expect something from a person that don't know any better, that has this is all that they've seen. So we're expecting something from a person who has not had the help who's not able to, and they may not even know that they have a serious problem. So, and we have a lot of that um, going around. We have road rage. We have people with low tolerance, um, no patience, no more. So we have a lot of contributors to these things and situations happening today, opposed to patience, being calm, showing love unconditionally, 
understanding, so many more things. But, um, no, I didn't get a chance to look at it, but it's not something that I don't um, well, let me just, encounter let me just in my say, business. Okay. Let me just say the two videos I sent you were two extreme cases where obviously the people involved in the families did not see the 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 devastation of the two dysfunctions. Uh, the fact that a man would allow or put his children in the middle of a the unhappiness that is going on in the family and turn his two kids against their mother over something so uh, unimportant as her washing her car and, in fact, that water may get on his vehicle and have them actively involved and putting themselves in position uh, for her to put her hands on them as to enrage her to do something violent, suggest that he or those children have gotten to the point where they want to destroy that mother. And then a story where a son, where obviously a mother is giving her son all the things that she can afford, and he uh, turning his back on her to the point where she has to seek outside help to get the money back, and then him become so enraged after the show is aired for him to kill her suggests that he had a lot of things going on in him that his brothers and his mother refused to really see. And so, you know, we know that this stuff is going on every day. I I tell you all to call in. I want you to be real enough on this show so that the people can really benefit from what they're hearing. I come from a single mother family where my father lost, left when I was in middle school. But again, he stayed in my life. He was a great father. He just wasn't a good husband. And he thought because of how much money he made, he should be entitled to have multiple relationships. And my mother came from a very Christian family, and uh, she was ruled by another set of rules, which were very important uh, to me as an individual. And I've tried to instill in my life, but, you know, I have to be honest enough to say, even though I live by a set of rules, there seems to be something wrong in the way I've lived my life because of the dysfunction that has occurred in my life. I'm glad that I've only fathered one child. Uh, I'm glad that I've never gotten involved in drugs. But I don't have the loving home that I wish I could have experienced or created in my adulthood. So obviously there are some things that I need to work on as a man to create a better environment for a woman to want to be in and plus for a woman to want to stay in. Uh, but the we have to be aware of the dysfunction, Reverend Smith, to be able to do anything about it. And we have to know or appreciate there is something normal. And it, the Bible tells us or gives us the rules to be close to what is normal. 
Uh, but it is up to us whether or not we're going to follow it. Good evening to all of you. Uh, you're right. Um, we have to try and get as close as we can to following the word of God. Because first of all, we have to look at ourselves. We're talking about normalcy and any, any, any dysfunctions. I myself came from a dysfunctional family like most everybody else did. We all, we all came. My father left because he um, left when I was like two or three years old because I was too, he said I was too light complected to be his. Although all of my family on my mother's side is light complexion. Anyway, he left, but my stepdaddy stepped in and he came, he became my real father as far as I was concerned. And I loved my stepfather till the day he passed. And my dad, my my dad, he was around sometime, but he was up in Washington, D.C. When I was in the Air Force, I went and found him through his, through his sister. And I told him, I didn't want nothing from you. I just wanted to see what you look like. And I called my dad right in front of him and told my dad, I said, hey, this man that I'm with now is not my father. You're my father. You know, you left me because of my complexion. Get out of here. You must be done lost your gut, bless your mind. So that, those right. kind of things, those kind of things put something inside of you. It really does. It's something that stays with you for years and years and years until you really, really, really and truly accept Christ. When you accept Christ, you have to realize that God didn't make no mistakes. And God did not make any of us into perfection. The only two people he made to be that were perfect was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were made to perfection also, but at the same time, God gave them choices. So we, we ourselves were born in the sins because of the choices they made. So now we come up in this dysfunctional situation that we're in, and it's all because of a progression that we have allowed throughout our lives. I thank my God that I took the time to look in the mirror at myself. I took a time to look in the mirror at myself, and when I saw what I saw in the mirror, I didn't like what I saw after I had accepted Christ. But before that, I thought I was I was doing fine. I was doing fine. It takes the word of God. My children, with, with their mother, came to me one day. And I was in the house. My mother, their mother used to argue at me all the time. I would never say a word. All the time she did was argue. But I was re- I read my Bible in there, doing Bible study, whatever I was doing, she was always arguing. And my children, my three girls came to me and said, Dad, why are you still here? I said, because of you all, honey. They said, no, 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 don't stay here because of us, because we know what Mama liked. If she wasn't our mother, we'd be gone too. Your children can see the foolishness that's going on. And so I took their word at it because I was staying there because of my children. But they had my last child had graduated from college. 
And and I know I really and truthfully I was I was unbound then. God had unbounded me. But I felt an obligation. But I continued to be the supporter. I left that home and I went and got me an apartment right where up there in Port Orange. And I began to take care of my home and my children. Dysfunctions comes in all kind of different fashions and manner. I didn't see the fighting in my family. My mother and father never even argued in front of me and my sister, and that's the truth. They would wait till we step outdoors or go playing. They think we didn't know that they was arguing. They never fought now. My mama would have killed my daddy. My mama didn't play that. You ain't, you ain't going to be hitting on my mama. Mama always kept her 38 ready to shoot. But my daddy knew it, too. So he wasn't about to hit lessons. But but he was he, he they were arguing about certain things, but they made sure they respected us enough that they would never argue in uh, in front of us, and they were both self-made people. They didn't grow into or somebody gave them something. My daddy, when when he died, he was a general contractor, building homes left and right. And my mother, she owned a club. They were all doing wonderful to find. They taught us good work ethics. But just because of that, my daddy was a whore. And I don't mind saying it. So there was dysfunction in the family. My mother told me and my sister, said, I know what your dad doing, but whatever he does, that's between he and I. Don't you ever come back in here and tell me nothing you saw him doing out there. And nobody else. Because I'll take care of my, this is my life and my husband, I'll take care of it. I love you all. You all stay children and keep in your place, and we'll deal with it. So when we talk about, there's all kinds of dysfunction. And I carried some of that kind of stuff, the horse part, into my own marriage. Because I love this man so much, and I thought, hey, this is the way he's supposed to do this thing. Get you some extra ones out. Do what you got to do. But life is not that way. And I thank God that he brought me to where I am today, to be the man that I am today and to have the things that I have today and be able to still pass it on to my children. But my children right now are living in a dysfunctional life themselves. And no matter how, it, we all have to have to break out of these things on our own. You can't tell me and I can't tell you. It's something that only God can bring you out of. And you've got to realize that you're in it. Amen. That's well, well, you know that it is important that we all recognize the dysfunction that we've been around and try to live as close to the word as we can. And that can be very hard, Reverend Swim. I just tell you, uh, I have to tell you a little story. When I left college, I thought of myself as a good guy, but I know I was, you know, I gotten involved in intimacy at a very early age and I didn't drink and didn't do drugs. Uh, but I, um, it was hard to keep your eye off the prize. And then when I got mm-hmm. back home and went to church, 
I went into a meeting with my pastor, and I said, listen, I said, and see, this is a young man who don't know what he's talking about when he talks about religion. So a lot of times you have to take in, you have to take into account what people are saying to you and when they're saying it to you about what their faith is. Uh, because I didn't know what my faith truly was at the time. And I told my pastor, I said, look, I can do all this stuff y'all talking about, but I got this lady back in South Carolina who I just graduated with, and I I can't do that that, uh, non-sexual stuff. And he said to me, he said, don't worry about it. It's okay. (laughs) You know, he was mostly, I thought he, he probably thought I was going to go back there and tell him I was gay, but what I was telling him, I was a heterosexual, and I couldn't handle not having this girl in my life. But I didn't know what being a Christian truly was. And I thought I could handle everything, but there are a lot of things I've been unable to handle. But we know that if you can only be a Christian and get rid of some of the dysfunction that is in your human desires and traits. And so, Cheryl, you know, when we sit back and think we real Christians, there are a lot of things in us that keep us from being like Christ, and we have to be ready and prepared to see it so that we can do something about it. You're absolutely right, but that's why we have the model that we have and the word that we have so that we mm-hmm. can always study the word because that is our example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are we are none of us are perfect. We are all striving to get Sorry. there. So, you know, every day, just like I said, you know, I one of my prayers is, Lord, what do you have me to do today? And we have to die daily because, you know, we can be upset. We can be disappointed. All of that with ourselves, you know, from one time or another that we didn't do everything that we could have done or we didn't do or we didn't handle every situation the way we should have handled it. But that's why, you know, we have an escape and we have to learn how to use it. And we can't use it if we're not familiar with it. And we have to familiarize ourselves with the word so that we know how he led his life and how he led us in our life. So mm-hmm. um, we are all striving to get there. We are, none of us are perfect. For sure. And, and Reverend Smith, you know, we, you know, we constantly out there uh, as good people and looking at our families and our friends, wondering how do we, intervene to give somebody the knowledge they need uh, to, to get some of this dysfunction out of their lives? James, we, we are. But the, though, the, the thing that I learned as a pastor, and I preach this as a sermon that I have, you got to want this thing. And I know Cheryl can relate to what I'm saying, and I know you can. You got to want to be the way that you are. Okay? I mean, you got to want to change. You got to want to not be messed up. Because 
Cheryl was so right when she said that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've got a long ways to go. All of us, me, you, every one of us, we got a long ways to go. That's why I can't put you down because you are not where I am right now. Because I used to be where you are, but there are some areas you may be above me. None of us know that. Only God knows. Some of your areas may be cleaner than my areas. We, we, we've got to learn to, to, to speak those words to other folk. We want to hide it like we've made it. We haven't made it. When I talk to people, I tell them about my dysfunctional situations and how I, I went through all of these different changes. And they said, Pastor, you went, you, that happened to you? Yes, it did. You mean to tell me? Yes, it did. You've got to make people believe that, hey, these are human beings just like us. But most of these quote-unquote religious folks, I won't call them Christians because Christians don't do that, they go like they all that in a bag of chips. None of us. Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I wind up doing but thanks be to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that helps us through this foolishness that we go through. And so why are we, I, that's why I don't worry anymore, James. I really honestly don't worry anymore. The downest I've been in a long time has been this week because my, my good friend died. That, that, that's the downest I have been in a long time. I just kept I keep things to myself a lot of time, but but I was I was really really been down all week long. But I I looked at myself and I said, wait a minute, I can't do this. God don't want me to do this. So the dysfunction that was a di- part of a di- being dysfunction in Christ right there. God did, God made us strong so that we can go through things, and He's not. He didn't never tell us not one time that we weren't going to have a hard time. All the way through the Bible, everybody that's been uh, close to God has had a really hard time, really hard time. And so we've got to learn to say, okay, I ain't going to worry about it. And I don't because I just believe God's going to take care of the situation. And he always have and he always will. So don't, when you see other people out there and you you can't seem to reach them, pray for them, James, because sometimes there's some people out there you can't reach. Do you not know that three-fourths of the people on this earth will not be going to heaven? That's in Revelations. Three-fourths. That's a lot of folk. That's a lot of folk. So yeah, it's amazing. You can do the, it is. You you can do the best you can do, and that's what I do. And now I just sit back and say, okay, I've done all I can do. God, it's up to you. It's in your hands. Because I'm not God, and you're not God. And Kat, I mean, uh, well, Cheryl is not God. And let, let me just all go human back. Cheryl, you know, we can see the simpler. There's some simple things. They have some answers to them that everybody sees but still can't get beyond the obstacles that keep them from getting to success. 
and I look at it, and I sometimes have to tell you, I have, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say any names, but I have a family member who has been married forever. And um, he had, one of his children were born at the same time as another woman outside the family's children were born. And these two girls grew up together knowing each other. And him and his wife fought through all of that and have uh, moved from a a professional African-American neighborhood to a mixed neighborhood with a nice home, and he's getting ready to retire, and she's going to ready to retire. And, uh, they've gone through a lot. And uh, despite his his inability to, to, me, to be faithful. And then I watched myself, who've been faithful to two wives, and who was unable to keep easy one of them, uh, who were both married to men who beat them before they came to me, and I never laid a hand on them. And you wonder why people came, you know, and I've always had a job and always made good money, made more money than I was supposed to, and uh, and uh, was willing to, to share it. But neither one of the marriages worked. So, you know, there's dysfunction in all of us, and we try to bring it together and find a solution. But it is just terribly hard to know why some families are able to survive their dysfunction when others are torn apart by the smallest of dysfunction. And, you know, that all depends on the individual. Um, some people are willing to deal with situations where others aren't. Some people, you know, I find that in marriages that we don't ask enough questions and we're not honest enough in the beginning. Because a lot of the things that you go through within the marriage, if you had talked about it before, you would really know the person a whole lot better. I believe a lot of it you know, between lust, infatuation, the heart, and knowing that every day, you know, although you're going to get married every day, you're not going to be in love, in love with this person, but you're going to be committed to the person. And that's one thing that, you know, we don't discuss. It's so much that we don't discuss before we just follow the heart. And the heart can't work out things if when the heart is not fluttering anymore. Then we begin to get angry. And sometimes in relationships, you know, James, the young ladies that you've been married to, this is the type of man that they like. Although they may say they want somebody who's going to treat them well and all of this, but they really want somebody who's going to treat them the way they have used to being being treated or they can't accept they have not accept the fact that this is not normal that you deserve to be treated better but can't make them see that they have to get to the point and years down the line they can say what a fool I was you know something that I always wanted I had it but at the time I'm running behind what I'm familiar with so 
a lot of times we don't get into deep enough conversations with our spouses or our loved ones before we actually get into the marriage. And sometimes the counseling that you have does not go even deep enough, you know, Mm -hmm. because it should go to the point. Mm -hmm. We don't know each other before we decide we're going to get married. And then we get so caught up with the wedding that we forget all about the marriage. And we don't put no effort toward the marriage. And then once the wedding is all over, then it's like, whoa, what we got to look forward to is this who I'm, you know, end up with. So, and that's in any, in all types of relationships, you have to really respect another person, you know, because even when you have friendships, you don't like everything that your friend does, but, you know, you get to the point when you say good friends, I can tell my friend how I feel and they won't be offended because they respect me. They don't have to agree with me. They don't have to like what I say. But because we can, we respect each other, we can agree just to disagree about it and go right on, on, you know, with our lives and with, our, with the relationship. So a lot of the things, we bring those things upon ourselves. And it's that because we haven't done what we should do when we first get into a relationship. Because, you know, it don't take that often you know, and I know we as women, we got this thing that, oh, I'm going to change them. You know, we're not going to change hmm. them. Whatever they are, it's going to magnify even more. You know, right. and whatever men think women going to be once they get married that they never were before, that's still not realistically realistic either. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, we fool ourselves, and then we say, pull me, pull you. You know, we get ourselves into a lot of the mess that um that we're actually into today. Be behind the choices that we make, the you know, we don't um take time to make decisions, to make logical decisions, to explore all the different things about it. So we just jump in and act right quick. So a lot of the things, you know, we we bring upon ourselves. Now, we can have a relationship where one person go in and they can be a total liar. They can be very, very good and deceiving. And once um, you marry, the real person comes out. Now, that's, that's, that's right. rare. But it does happen. That's right. Yes, it does. You know, so um, we, have to, we have to pay attention and open our eyes up. But then, you know, we got to know who we are. We got to realize what we will are willing to accept and what we what a deal breaker. I don't want this in a relationship. I'm not gonna tolerate this. I'm not gonna start talking to somebody and think that this part of them is gonna go away. It's not. So right then and there, don't even get into um no further with them. But we mm-hmm. fool ourselves, we bring a lot of the things up on our you know, our parents used to tell us. Y'all, um, y'all, you make your bed, now you got to lie in it. Or, right. you know, you know better. Change it when we get to be adults. Nothing. 
right, we're going to take a short break and come back and continue this conversation because uh, this is something somebody needs to hear, and I know I need to hear it myself. We'll be right back. Love. Your voices can be heard loud and clear 
about the issues that impact our lives now and in the future. We want to be here and be the platform that you need to share your voice and hear the opinions of others, things that we need to change, things that we need to embrace, and things we need to instill in others. So we want you here to talk about what's going on in our world and the direction we want our country to go in. And today we're talking about dysfunction and how to identify the dysfunction we have, both in our side, in ourselves and in our family, so we can correct those things and bring prosperity and happiness to our lives. We deserve to be happy. We deserve to be prosperous. We deserve to know the life that our Lord and Savior wants that we love. But we have to identify what it is that we need to work on and make corrections so that that life that we deserve is on the path that we're walking. So, Reverend Smith, you know, it, we have to identify what it is we want to change in ourselves and try to find the, the solution to those changes and be willing to embrace the journey. Uh, you know, I have to be honest with myself. I need to control my eating. I need to exercise more. And I need to embrace those things that Cheryl gives to me, the knowledge she gives to me, to have the life that I want. People have to be willing to open their eyes. You know, when I hear about blindness, blindness uh, has less to do with eyesight than it does to do with the spirit that we live and the openness of our spirit, Reverend Smith. James, you're, you're partially right, I believe, by some things that you're speaking. There's an order to what God placed in this world. First of all, it's him. That's what we have missed for so many years in our lives, which caused us to be in, in and around a bunch of dysfunctional mess. Because if God is not the head of your life and the first thing in your life, you miss out on so much because when things get out of hand and you can't control it, God will take care of it for you. That's what I had to learn. I had to learn that. And the second thing that I want to say is that uh, God tell us not to be unevenly yoked. And, and so many of us, we, we allow the flesh, Cheryl just said it, we allow the flesh to, to dictate to us how, when, where, and which way we are going to go. And then when the flesh is finished and there's nothing of what in the world do you have left? Nothing. Nothing. And so... When I when I, I I I'm looking and you you're talking about your size and your exercise and all that, James, I'm I'm this type of a person myself even now. I stand six foot three and a half, two hundred seventy five pounds. Yeah, I was a bodybuilder and all of that kind of stuff. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, but now since I've been pastoring, I've gained that weight. But at the same time, I look at myself and I said, God, you made this. You made me. 
And if a person cannot accept me for who I am and look at my heart, that see, that's where things start going awry because we get to the point in our lives where we put, put ourselves down. I feel high on myself, even in church. I tell people right now, I'm a good-looking big old man. I'm a good-looking big old man, if you want to put it that way. But I said, you either accept me the way I am or don't accept me at all because God don't make no junk. God don't make no junk. I go walking every day now. You know why I walk? But not for other people. I walk for my heart, my cardiac, my health. That's what I walk for. So when we look at the order that God put things in, God first, your mate. That's why God said when you come together, you become one. Then the next thing is your family, along with your children. And everything else falls into place under that. Until we get things in order, it's going to always be chaos. And it's going to always be a lot. There's going to always be dysfunction. But we can minimize some of those dysfunctions if we would kind of hold ourselves down and sustain ourselves in Christ. It took me a long time to find that out. But now that I found it out, I'm passing it on. How I feel so comfortable. I feel so comfortable with myself. I can't feel comfortable with Cheryl or with you or any other person out there unless I'm comfortable with myself. And believe me, I am very, very comfortable with me because I, I, I just thank God for how, he, and how and where he has brought all of us from. So don't, don't look at there is a woman out there for you just like there still is a woman out there for me. You're 57, I'm 76. But I know for a fact that God still got that good woman out there for me. She ain't going to be no 76. She don't have to be. She might be 50 or 45. I won't mess with her if she's that young. But, but I'm talking about something. I'm just saying I got somebody out there for me, and he got somebody out there for you. So when we look at ourselves, look at, look at it through the eyes of God. When God sent Samuel to anoint David as king, Jesse had seven sons. And he, he thought all of those good-looking guys was the one that was supposed to be the king. And God kept telling him, no, no, no. And then he saw the, the real tall half. He said, God, he stands a shoulder above everybody else. And we know that he's got to be the king. God said, no. He said, Samuel, that's what's the problem. You all, as what he was saying, you all as humans look at the outside, but I look at the inside. James, you got a good heart, just like I got a good heart. And I tell people quick. <laughs> accept me the way I am or don't accept me at all. I don't care if I lose 400 pounds. <laughs> I, I, I don't care. You, no, you accept me for who I am because my weight is not what's loving you. 
My weight is not what's making you happy. I'm making you happy because our hearts gel together. And we both, we both love the Lord. And God is going to keep things moving at a pace. It's not going to always be smooth because if he didn't have no ups and downs in our lives, we would never fall on our knees. But the one thing that I know for a surety when I ever get another woman, we're going to pray together all the time. We're going to pray together. I ain't going to tell her, well, honey, you go ahead on and pray. I'll be there. No, we're going to pray together so that we both will be on the same page. And so don't don't look at yourself like that. Yeah, we all we all want to be healthy, and I understand that. But don't don't put yourself in that category or look down on yourself like that, because you got a good heart, Jay. And no matter what your size is, no matter what my size is, I know I'm probably a lot taller than you are, and I weigh one hundred <laughs> two hundred seventy five pounds. At six three, well, which I don't look, know, my, I don't you know, we, look my way. <laughs> we uh-huh. we both had to get together. And you you're off by a little bit. I'm I'm actually six six, Pastor. I love every inch of my height. Now I might be a little oh, bit unhappy wow. with my girl, yeah. but I love that six right. six. <laughs> oh okay, <laughs> So you ought to be you cool, man. So I don't know what you're talking about. You know. Yeah, God I love every inch of that six six. And that's Cheryl, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Hey, I ain't got a problem with that six six. I got a little problem with that 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 strip that you put around that girth. But uh, I'll be all well, right, Reverend Strip. And you're right. I love who I am. No, understand. I love who I am, and I, and I know that I would be a lot healthier if I was a little smaller. But in terms of loving me some Jane C.J., I love me some Jane C.J. But I just wish okay. I had a little okay. less inches around the belly button. <laughs> we all do. Keep keep living, and, and you'll find out. <laughs> keep living. And I'm glad I got people like Cheryl that they had that switch after me. And Cheryl, uh, I ain't forgot. I know you don't got a little quiet on me, but I ain't forgot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to be right. Uh, uh, it, it, I just I, I know you be quiet for a little bit, but I'm gonna get you back talking again. <laughs> no, when I pop up on you. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Cheryl. <laughs> oh yeah. And when I pop up on you with that switch in my hand. <laughs> Mm-mm. I have, I have, I make, I got arrangements to come to go down there. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh-huh. If, you, right. if well, you come me, to Orlando, me, if you come to Orlando and we don't both see you, I know I'm gonna get mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me uh, let us take a break and come back and have our final say. I yeah. am this woman. I am this woman that has set the expectations of the world to take my rightful place among the stars. The woman that does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but create my own destination. I am this woman that maintains her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. 
I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those yet to dream to greatness. I am the mother of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth, igniting the love that exists in all men while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman. I am this woman that ascends the expectation of the world to take my rightful place among the stars. The woman who does not use the traditional roadmaps to a given place, but creates my own destination. I am this woman that maintains her intrinsic beauty in ways not determined by others' thoughts, but by my own sense of uniqueness, my own desire of sexiness and allure. I am this woman designed by my creator to scale the height of the unbounded, allowing my talents to be seen by the masses while inspiring those to dream. I am the woman of the world, deserving the respect of all that walk under the gravity of the earth. Igniting the love that exists in all men while being the birthplace of the future. I am this woman.
Tita Shay, the host of Talk Love and Reflection, brought to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruption. Just make it a part of your day, part of your week. Make sure that your voice is heard further than just a a few blocks. You want to be a part of this movement that allows our voices to tell our country where we want to go. Cheryl, what is your final thought for this evening? Well, you know, just like we said, we have all have some form of dysfunction or another, and we're all striving to get there. So whatever we do, we can always do better. All right. Reverend Smith, your your final thought this evening? Well, I just say trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We've got to trust God. That's where I look for. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, I want to thank all of you for your continued support. It is just so important that I have you all calling in and talking to me about those things that we need to discuss, that we need to find a solution to and a path that we can travel this journey with as much success as we can. I just want to thank all of you for being here for me, uh, being here so that I don't have to talk to myself, but being a part of a show that helps not only those who call, but those who listen. So thank you all, and we'll be back tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time as we make sure that we're on top of the things that uh, are happening around our world. And uh, we got a little time left. Uh, Reverend Smith, I saw where uh, – God, Lee, I can't believe I – they got um, Ji Jong-un, uh, North uh, Korea, uh, say that they're going to stop their efforts to to get the bomb and come back. Uh, so we do have something to be thankful for if he continues uh, to go in that direction. I know that we're going to have to, to give him some uh, things that his country needs in order for his people to survive. But it is nice to see uh, that North Korea has made some concessions uh, related to their nuclear capability. You're right. I just, matter of fact, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just reading that while we was on break. Uh, yeah, he did say that. I don't trust him, just like I don't trust our president. Uh, but he, he's, he's looking for something. He's looking for something, and I think that something that he's looking for is really food for his people right now because the embargoes and everything have kind of left them in a low place. So whatever it is that's doing it, whatever is doing it, it's not Trump, that's for sure. It's not Trump. (laughs) uh, No, it's not. It's the Chinese or uh, South Korea, or whoever is talking to him, because Trump's not talking to the man. So whoever it is is, 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 is doing a good job. Now, when Trump get in there with his rhetoric, 
God knows where we'll go from there. Yeah. He's already well, I just wanted about to throw that in. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to throw that in, and we'll probably talk about it tomorrow. But I do want to share with you two and the rest of everybody who's out there listening, we're going to have a great show on Monday. So I want everybody to show up on Monday because i got a great guest who I've gotten to come on, and uh, she is a dynamic speaker, and she'll have some things that we'll enjoy listening to. So uh, everybody make sure you put Monday on your calendar. You know, sometimes we, we come in and out, and but I want Monday to be a day when everybody's here because we got a great speaker on Monday. So take care, everybody. I'll mm-hmm. see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time so your voice can be heard on thoughts, love, and reflections. Take care, everybody. Father, help your children and don't let them fall by the side of the road. That heaven might find a place in their heart. Jesus is love. He won't let you down. And I know. Jesus is love.